welcome to Thank the podcast of Dr. Michael Jacobs. Dr. Jacobs travel itinerary will our products and more. And please visit slash MJM. Thank you. Boy, she does great introductions. I ought to hire her to just go travel doing her. <laughs> you could be seated a minute. I see somebody had the foresight to put some stuff up here we still had. I appreciate it. A lot of these are little copies of chapters in my deliverance book. I kind of broke it up so people could understand it. This one's on demons and disease. Just a little mini book. And uh, we just we just dissected that, that book. And here's one, how demons operate. I think that's real important. If you don't know how they operate, this would help you understand that. And then we have here types of demons. Somebody asked me one time, how many demons are there? I said, as much weirdness as in the humanity in the earth. <laughs> it could be a spirit for anything you want to think about. Don't think about it too long. It'll mess you up. But that's what they try to do to people. So I think all these books are helpful if you're interested in learning about it. You know, the thing is, you remember, if you don't know how your enemy functions, you're, you're done. <laughs> he, will, he will hunt you. He will drill you. He will, he'll put it to you because that's all he knows to do. He's come to destroy, kill, and so forth and so forth. And so we just try to help people see that kind of like Toto the dog I hate to compare myself to him, but he's the one to pull the curtain back on the Wizard of Oz. And that's what I do. I just pull the curtain back and show you what he's really like. I usually don't go to Isaiah. I think it's Isaiah, maybe Ezekiel. And we're going to say someday, this is what we were afraid of? This little punk? This is what we... But he's so good at deception and subtly moving against you, you don't even recognize it sometimes. Then people get entangled in all kinds of not so great things. But I put these together so like if I ministered to somebody and they got delivered, I could either have them buy this or give them to them how to stay free. And sometimes you have to, do, you have to move away, not move away, but you ha- well, in some cases I told people to move away. I won't go down that trail with you. You wonder what I told them. There's two couples and they're, they're, they're committing adultery. I said, one of you's going to have to move. You can't handle that. Thank you for your encouragement. <laughs> Hope you don't think I'm too bold, but that's just the way that I am. And, you know, and in that setting with that man, he said, I want my wife and this woman. I jumped on him and he fought me. He said, get your hands off me. I said to the lady that's come in, I said, do you want to be like that or you want me to help you? She said, oh my God, help me. I said, get out of her in the name of Jesus. Take your wife home and move. <laughs> you live next door to a predator. I could tell you a lot more, but I don't know. You don't want to hear that. But you know, when somebody asked, and I told him, I warned him. He called me, he said, I got a question for you about deliverance, Dr. Jacob. And the Lord told me what it is. I said, don't minister to that blonde headed woman that lives next to you. You're going to end up in bed with her. Stop it. How did you know that? I said, God just told me that to warn you. I know that's what you're thinking, isn't it? Yeah. I said, if you do, you're done. You're done. You're going to split your family up anyway. You know, devil captures people when they get strange. How to stay free. This is a little book. You've you got to stay in the Word. You've got to stay close to Jesus. 
And this was one of my favorite little books. I wrote it, but it's The Authority of the Believer. It's just a little compact book, but it is a wonderful book to read. It tells you what you have in Christ in authority. That you're a, what are you with him? A joint heir. I guess I haven't said it enough here. You're not a sub anything. I said that one time people said, we're sub heirs. I said, you're not a sub heir. Stop that. <laughs> I didn't slap them, but I wanted to. Anyway, and this little book, The Power of the Blood. I got another book out there about the blood, but this one is really a good little book. And I think I got a prophecy in the back of it that I, that I got while I was teaching on that. I won't read it to you. It's kind of long. But this one paragraph, the blood shall prevail against all your enemies. The blood shall prevail against every sickness and every disease. The blood shall prevail and overwhelm and overcome every weakness and everything that would come against you. So plead the blood, declare the blood, declare what the covenant says the blood does, and it'll be so for you. That's just one little paragraph. It's about three pages long, that prophecy. But anyway, it's good to know about the blood. I don't think any of us knows the fullness of it yet. I know I don't, but I keep going back to it and studying it again. So anyway, good to see you tonight. And don't let all these pages confuse you. We're not going to, but I just got little things I wrote down more or less, but let's go back to Romans one. We've been there, I think both nights and we've been talking about impartations and impartations come, normally we're talking about in the body of Christ from one person to another. If, if you're anointed to do that. So it's just really powerful that we could get impartations and they help go, take us to the end. I would say it this way. If you don't understand impartations, and you don't have any. I think that's pretty sad because that would show that you don't know much about your Bible yet. Even the Old Testament had a lot of that going on. You know, Moses, he put some of his honor on Joshua, I believe. Not the whole thing, but at, the, at that time, he just put a level of honor and on some other specifics that God told him to minister to. But then later he gave Joshua the whole thing. You're going to take him into the promised land. So impartations are cred incredibly important to us. And if we know how to receive them, and then if you don't know what somebody really meant by that, you need to pray about it. I mean, you could get ministered to by somebody that doesn't know what they're doing. That could confuse you, but don't let that, don't throw out the baby with the bathwater. All right. So in Romans 1, verse 11 and 12, I have a book out there unless we sold out. And thank you for putting the mini books up for me, whoever did that. I long to see you. So you can hear in that kind of a tone and Paul, he was a spiritual father uh, to this church. I long to see you that I may impart. That's the reason he longs to see him. I want to impart unto you. He says some spiritual gift. It might be better to say out of my spiritual endowment or out of my mantle or out of what God's put into me. I want to share that with you and minister that to you. And, and the word gift there literally means a spiritual endowment a miraculous faculty, a deliverance or a rescue. So all four of those things are involved in that word gift there that says some spiritual gift to the end that you may be established. God doesn't want us to just learn stuff to, for learning sake. He wants us to get established in things that he has for us to do and so forth. 
That is, that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. You know, I didn't see that for a long time and finally realized that means I have to have faith to release what I have. And you, if you're on the other side of that, you know, ministry line, you have to have faith to take what I give you. And sometimes, you know, either me or you, we're not maybe fully up to par to do that, but you need to get yourself ready. Yeah. All right. Let me see here. We want to say anything else about that. Let me give you a couple other definitions. We have it here on a sticky tab. It says in this passage I just read to give you fresh strength. I think if you're a normal person, you would like fresh strength in your life. There's a verse way back in Deuteronomy. I know it's Old Testament, but it is so classic. It says, as my days are, so shall my strength be. But the Amplified Bible, and I usually recommend that for the New Testament, but in this case, it's really powerful. He says, so shall my strength, my peace, and my security shall be. (laughs) So I say that over myself every day. As my day is today, God, you have strength for me to have this day fulfilled. Yeah. All right. Then it says to make you strong. Impartations can make you strong. It can make you strong in the, in the direction you're going to go. And you usually receive it, receive it, I would say, typically from a higher source. That's how I would interpret that a little bit. Because Paul said what? You know, I'm ministering unto you, Timothy. As I laid hands on you, he ministered the gift of God. So it was God's power flowing through a man's hands that ministered to Timothy. And then some of those got prophesied to Timothy. Then he told him later in the same book of Timothy, you know, be careful to meditate on that and develop that fully in your life. The impartation. (laughs) Yeah. So it's not like somebody just says something over you, you get goosebumps and you think that's thrilling. That's really just the edge of the whole thing. You need to be more mature than that. If God's really talking and he really talks to somebody that you know you can trust or it just bears witness with you, then I would take it. But then you're going to have to live in the fullness of that. I don't know about you, but that's what we do. Do our best. Doesn't mean we're there yet, but we're working towards it. And then it says to establish you to be steadfast. I'm kind of like Dr. Sumrall in the sense he said, I don't do something great every day. I just do every day. Something to that, I may have misquoted a little, but it's pretty accurate. I just keep moving forward. Yeah. Even with all my bloopers and, you know, and I've stopped judging myself for what I say in the pulpit, so don't write me a letter. <laughs> I'll just shred it. Yeah. <laughs> and I have a big, I have a big time shredding stuff. <laughs> Hallelujah. I wanted to talk to you a little bit to start tonight. And sometimes I just, you know, I just write things down as I'm thinking about it. A lot of these sheets is not like too much, but just some things that I've received from God in this one particularly. So, you know, I've been in, I was in the ministry. Let me think here. I went full-time ministry in 76 when I came into, into Bible school. I graduated in uh, 78 and I was already pastoring and doing some things. And so it came, I was about 1993 and I was just, I had a holy frustration. I'm going to tell this because it involves Dr. Dufresne. And in, this, in another way, it involves the whole Dufresne family. Because they came out of him. Other than Pastor Nancy, right? 
But I just knew like, this is how I felt. I knew I, well, let me say this to you because I'd like to tell this part because people think I'm going to tell you just, I'm just barely alive, but that's not true. Uh, my lo- wife loved me and I loved her. Uh, we were getting along when we weren't fighting and my kids both were serving God. They were then then they are now. And my church was exploding with growth, but I was frustrated. Now, I'm just going to say this. I hope you can get it. If you can't think about it before you just dismiss yourself, you can have a holy frustration. And that's what I was having. And I say it this way. I knew I needed to get somewhere, but I didn't know where there was. So I said to the Lord, Lord, I can't, I'm not going to be able to put, I'm going to pray to you an hour in tongues every day about it, but I'm not going to try to put that on my regular prayer time. I don't think I could do that every day. It'd take me too long every day at one unit, you know, for the things I pray about daily. And this will be another time in the day or evening when I choose to do that. I'm going to pray and I'm going to pray in the Holy Ghost for one hour every day until you speak to me about it. And I did that 90 days in a row. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just, when I get on something, I just stay with it. And the 91st day, the Lord said, call Dr. Ed Dufresne, have him come to your church, Michael. Now I'd met Dr. Dufresne, but just momentarily. And it was at an ICF meeting in Pastor Bob Nichols church, I think in Fort Worth, I think that's where he was at. I don't know if he's still there, but you know, my friend, he was so social. The guy I was with, he went to heaven now too, unfortunately. His name was Pastor Doug and he just talked to everybody. You know, he didn't remember anybody he wasn't talking to. He was just totally talking all the time. He was a good friend of mine. And he's down there and doc, he said, come meet Ed Dufresne here. And I went over and Dr. Dufresne took my tie and said, nice tie, son. I said, thank you. And I got in his, he had an afternoon session for people that had hearing problems. And I couldn't hear my watch out of one of my ears. I forget which one it was. I got in his service and I went forward and he opened my ear up. And that's all I knew about him. I, I didn't know him. We didn't have lunch. We didn't discuss, you know, world affairs or anything else. So I knew he, I knew who he was. You know, I could recognize him if I saw him, but I wasn't around his ministry, didn't know didn't know hardly anything. I just knew that God told me. And I used to call him, not, not bug him, but I would call him and I said, you're a mighty important person to me. He said, how's that, Michael? I said, out of 6 billion people, he only gave me your name. I said, only, he didn't give me, this is my first pick, second pick, third pick. Because the Lord told me one time when I started the church that my son has now in my city, he said, I just want you to know, Michael, you're not my first pick. I said, well, you want me to pastor for you or not? <laughs> Some of you get so touchy about stuff like, I know. But he, then he added this, but you're tough. You can handle it. I sent a lot of men in that city to pastor and they've all failed me, but you won't. I said, well, thanks for the rebuke and the encouragement. <laughs> So anyway, I sent a letter to Dr. Dufresne and tried to put in that, that my kids were serving God and me and my wife were in love. Church is exploding with growth, but I have a holy frustration. And God gave me your name. 
So I want you to come ASAP. And God gave me his name in 93 in the fall. And as soon as he could get here, which I think was February the next year. But I go back to the day that God spoke to me about him. And so, you know, then you could go to the airport and go all the way down to the gate. And I had a book by him. I, I knew what he looked like. I had met him. Uh, that's about all I knew. But when he got off the plane, he looked at me and I looked at him and we liked each other. It was just a divine connection. He liked me and I liked him. And it just grew from that. You know, that's what you need to hook up with, a divine connection. I liked his boldness. I liked his straightforwardness. All right. And so I hadn't been around him in hardly any meetings other than that one session at ICFM. And it was just an afternoon session. So uh, he came to my church and I had rutted my people in teaching. I'm going to tell this story because this really sets the stage for really what I'm doing now with my life because of his input. He saw in me the prophet immediately. And of course I knew something about it, but I didn't know enough. And I was insecure with what I just knew. But anyway, he was in my church and he, this was funny. He, he had a Bible like this, but he had it zipped up and he just threw it on the pulpit. He never opened it for three nights. My people thought I'd lost my mind. <laughs> that guy didn't even unzip his Bible. He just started over here. Hey, you third lady over, get out in the center. Do. And she fell out. Then he went over here and told some man to do, and he fell out. And my people thought I lost my mind because I rutted him in teaching. I mean, I teach you an hour and a half and give you 37 scriptures. And if you got up to use the bathroom, I was irritated at you. <laughs> because I know you, some of you people go to a movie, it's three hours. You buy a 72 ounce Pepsi and a giant straw and your bladder's as big as your head, but you're not going to go to the bathroom. You think you're going to miss something. Oh my goodness. I know you. Don't act like I don't know you. Don't act like that. You don't want to get me riled, do you? I don't think. Yeah. Fun people are funny. And then some people are Paul people. You know, people are weird. That's what that stands for, that acronym. Anyway, so he came. We had a great meeting. Of course, people didn't understand what I'd done because I had just rutted them into the, you know, the Bible. Now, in one way, it was good, like Pastor Keith here. And Dr. Hattaball, these two men, they said, you were our Bible school. We, we didn't know the Bible. And that, so when I got up and preached an hour and a half every service, 37 scriptures with four and left in this pocket, two in that and three in my shoe. I mean, <laughs> I was overkill. Yeah. Anyway, I found out the mind can only receive what the seat can endure. All right. Yeah. And so, you know, he came and did the meeting and then he left and then God rebuked me again. He said, Michael, you had a decent meeting, but didn't have the meeting you should have because you didn't prepare them for the ministry of the prophet. But he said, I noticed you bought one of every book he brought with him. One of them, one of them at that time, I think he wrote another one later about the prophet. I want you to read it and then teach it to the people and have him come back as soon as you can. So he came back later, I think it was in August. And we just hit it off and we sat down to have lunch one day, just me and him. And I said, you know, I'd like to just say to you, sir, I want to submit myself and my ministry to you. I don't even know if you do stuff like that. 
And I'm just going to say this once, if you correct me, and I'm going to expect you to correct me if you think I'm wrong. You know, it's nice to tell somebody that. I wish some of my sons had had that attitude. A lot of them didn't have, they had an attitude, but not for me, but against me. <laughs> and I said, I'm not going to pick up my blanket and my pacifier like Linus in the little cartoon and run off from you, which I never did. Whether I liked it or I didn't like it, didn't make a bit of difference to me. He was going to be the dad and I was going to be the son. He was going to be the leader and I'm the follower. And I didn't judge him about anything he said or did. I know some of the other sons probably pulled me into arguments and I wouldn't argue with them. I saw good sons. I saw bad sons. I saw confused sons, but not because of him in spite of him. They just didn't pay attention. Somebody said, well, you're his favorite. I said, I never said that. Where do you get that kind of information? I'm his favorite. You're crazy. He loves me and I know it. And that's, that's good enough for me. And I love him back. And I only get one spiritual father. All right. So I'm just talking to you. So he came back and we sat down to eat and I said, I'd like to submit that to you. And I expect you to talk to me. If you feel like I'm out of line somewhere, then correct me and I'll make the adjustments. And he said, that'd be great. So there's where we started. And then from that moment when he said, yeah, God talked to me about your son. He called me son. I thought, hmm, that's the first time anybody called me son. And he said, uh, that means that you'll come help me if I need you too, doesn't it? And I said, yes, sir. I understand covenant. I understand covenant. Yes. <laughs> and that's what covenant is all about the other person. In your marriage, with your closest friends, with people over you, you're you're all sold out to help them achieve whatever they are going to achieve. Hallelujah. So, and then he wrote his phone number on a little piece of paper and put it across the table. Said, call me whenever you want. Wow. You know, I just, I was just so shocked, but I was appreciative that he'd received me and I already just knew he loved me. (laughs) That's one thing I really appreciate about Dr. Dufresne. He loved Michael, the man. It wasn't about the anointing in my life. It was from a, from a senior person to an apprentice coming up. But I'm just talking about, he just loved me. And I could tell it. And I appreciated that. And I could discuss anything with him. Thank you so much for your enthusiasm. I didn't come to get promoted when I committed to, and I, then when, after that happened, he said he would do that for me. And then he said, you know, you'll come and help me if I need you. I said, yes, sir. I understand covenant. Now, I didn't understand fatherhood and sonship. That was foreign to my brain. I wrote a book on it. I took more persecution over that book than all the rest of the books put together. Everybody wants to know about angels. A few people even have daring enough to know about demons, but nobody wants to grow up. Oh my gosh. I got to grow up. Oh, and that's what that book is about. It either makes people mad or it makes them change. (laughs) But what I'm saying is I didn't come to be promoted. I just found out where he's going to be. I'd have my staff. I'm kind of technically challenged. I don't even know what all my phone does yet. And I don't bring my phone with me every time I go out. 
I'm just not that kind of person. I made my mind up a long time ago I wasn't going to be that kind of person. I never, ever, nobody told me not to, I never, ever brought my phone to a luncheon with Dr. Ed Dufresne. You say you love your father and then you get up five times from the lunch table when he's offered to have lunch with you and talk. He may have a word for you, but you're always running outside to talk to something that's happening back home with your church because you don't understand honor. I just didn't do that kind of stuff. I just thought, what's wrong with those people? You can judge me if you want, but you know I'm right if you really think it through. Yeah, and I told people, if you're going to take me to lunch and you're on your phone the whole time, that's the last time I'm going to go with you. What's the point? You didn't want to talk to me. You wanted to talk to other people. I just judge things right. You can believe it or not, but I'm still right. I know you got a phone engraved into your hand. It just You're just constantly... It has its purpose, but for me, it's few and far between. I didn't come around to be promoted. I didn't come around with an agenda. I was there to learn something. See, where does this start at? It started by me having a holy frustration. I'd been spirit-filled since 78. That was 93. I'd prayed in tongues every day of my life since 1978. Two weeks before I graduated from seminary that made fun of tongue talkers. I never did, but they did. And they made fun of healing. (laughs) They just made fun of everything that wasn't Baptist. So I didn't come with any preconceived agenda. I stayed with him until he went home 20 years. I was with him. And then I'm still with the Dufresne family to some level, of course, as you can tell. And I'm thrilled to be that. And, you know, praise the Lord. (laughs) But I just kept all that straight. You know, I had some sons. They thought I was going to promote them. But I had to tell them, if you're going to be promoted, it's going to have to be Jesus because I'm not going to promote you. I could teach you some things, but that doesn't mean you're getting promoted just because you know something you didn't know. You know all of a sudden. There's more to it than that. And people just wouldn't wait for God to promote them. They just left me. They thought they'd be better off going to, and several of those men had two or three fathers since they've been with me. I'm not judging them. I just think that's weird. You can think whatever you want to think. Yeah. All right. You know, let me, I'm moving on a little bit now. So just stay with me. God has more for you. The problem is it's just beyond your comfort zone. You know, wherever you're comfortable, if you don't break through that barrier, you're just going to stay the same until we bury you. I love you, but you're going to go home for us if you won't get over this out of your comfort zone to get into some new territory. You just didn't express it like I did. And if you have a holy frustration, you need to figure out who's going to help you get out of where you're at to where you should be. What did you have to change, Dr. Jacobs? Everything. I had to change everything. And I'm still changing. Still changing. I didn't get it in a day. I didn't get it in 10 years. I got all that I needed from him. He told me so the last time we were in Pastor Luffman's church. Pastor Nancy was in that meeting, I think, with us. My wife was there. Anyway, God has a lot more for you. It's just beyond your comfort zone. 
you say, well, you know, I've never prayed in tongues for three hours. Why don't you try it someday? I haven't got time. I would just say, well, you're too distracted. God may have another world for you to go in a direction you haven't even considered or do some things you haven't ever thought about. But unless you pray enough, I'm not saying three hours is a magic number. I'm just saying unless you stretch yourself to get beyond where you've been, you're just going to be the same person. I did a message many years ago. He reminded me out here about it. I did a message. Change is not change until it's changed. I think people deceive themselves. They hear somebody preach about it and they think they made a change and they're still the same they were 10 years ago. No, change is not changed until it's changed. Oh, say, what do I need to change? I don't know. You just need to talk to the Father. I'm talking to you about impartations and I'm giving you what I consider some wisdom out of my heart by paying attention. (laughs) Okay. And these are some of the suggestions I wrote down. Give some extra time in prayer. Whatever you're praying, just expand it. Or, or if you can't do it all in one moment, one period of time, like I could it when I have a, a two-hour prayer time, you know, normally every day, and I was going to add another hour, and I didn't think I could do that until I heard from God. So I just said, I'm going to ba- pray about that something separate than this other time. I'm not bragging. Here, here's something. Make a list of areas where you think God tends to use you and figure that out. You know, God wants to use all of us, not just a fivefold ministry. And you get around people I'll never meet. You get around people Morgan may never meet, or Stephen, or Pastor Nancy. So you need to have a spiritual father with with the local church, or a mother. I am not prejudiced. God doesn't check out your gender before He anoints you. I've anointed more women probably than anything in in my lifetime so far, probably 30 of them. And I'm going to anoint my daughter-in-law come March because she's an anointed young lady. And then you need to get around someone that has more experience than you do in the things that you're thinking about and trying to learn more about. I think Pastor Nancy helps a lot by having in different people. I'm just one of many. Morgan said, Michael Lekedic was here recently and somebody else was coming after I'm gone. And so all of us are not clones. We're just different. So you can learn a lot from all the different people that come and minister here. I think it's wonderful. You need to have a spiritual father or a pastor for their teaching. And if you need to ask questions, that's legitimate. As long as you don't go to the church picnic and set her in a chair and keep her there for two hours, she doesn't have a chance to say hi to anybody but you. You know, that's very inconsiderate and not courteous. Thank you, Michael. Well, you're welcome. I've just done all the above. I haven't done that. People did it to me. I went to try to go to an event with my church and somebody pinned me down at the table. Trying to, I was eating pizza or something. And another hour went by and he's still talking. He never shut up. And he's one of my good sheep. But anyway. Well, I can ask Dr. Jacobs that now. He's just eating pizza. Yeah, but I should have answered you in less than five minutes, and you could have got up and let somebody else take your place. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm being picky, aren't I? All right. 
but you need to have somebody that can impart to you that you trust. I don't mean outside of your normal framework. There's a lot of Paul people out there. People are weird people. They can't get along with anybody in one church. And before you know it, that person will be at your buddy's church and then over across town here at this church. And they never stay put. And they never produce any particular good things in their life. I'm not mad at anybody. I'm just looking at it like I look at it sometimes. You need to learn to operate in your mantle, whatever that would be, or your anointing. And remember this, it's going to be a process. There's nobody that's an overnight wonder. And I checked with Jesus. He wasn't either. I mean, you don't know your Bible yet. I don't know. Luke 2 tells you that. He grew in grace and in wisdom with God and man. He grew into it. He didn't just have it. Boom. He grew. All right. He's the biggest example I know we ought to be following. So things take time sometimes. And I went through some of those times too, and they weren't any fun. Yeah. Hey. But I just was tough enough to stand still and just continue to do what I knew it to do. Until the Lord made a way for me to do whatever else I needed to do or correct myself or tweak myself, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, it's not what you're doing right that's making you be a failure. <laughs> I'm not calling you a failure, but it's not what you already know and you do is messing you up. It's what you don't know. Or you don't understand how to get a hold of that. And if you'll just pray long enough, God will speak to you. And then you need to be open for additional equipment or further light than you presently know. You can have further light on the same subject. Brother Hagin said, I have that. I don't have it with me. He was talking about you can manifest the same gift in a higher anointing if you know that you're to do that. And you can go back to those things and have more of a punch to them if you knew how to do it. You know, and when my dad spoke to me, Dr. Dufresne, I was in Terre Haute with him and he called me out and I didn't tell him I operated in these gifts. He, he knew it by the, the word of knowledge and discerning of spirits will operate in you, Michael, with more accuracy from this day forth. And I'm going there to preach next month, that same church, a different pastor, but hallelujah. Thank you for making me feel all toasty and warm here. <laughs> It's like you led me out to the, the, the end of the precipice here, and I think you're ready to shove me off or something. <laughs> okay. All right. Hallelujah. Now, let's talk about some hindrances to receiving impartations. This isn't going to take long. I think maybe I have another page here, and, and that's it. So, and then we'll minister to people as the Lord shows us, and I'm going to pray for all the preachers tonight. But let's talk about this. What are the hindrances to receiving impartation? The number one hindrance is a lack of knowledge. Let's go over to Hosea 4 and 6. I know you know what it says. Memorize it. It may not be a refrigerator scripture, but it it could be. Praise the Lord. Okay. I know I went to Malachi and turned left, but I haven't found it yet. Okay. Hallelujah. Hosea 4, verse 6, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. So what we don't know can affect us severely. 
He didn't say you couldn't learn it. He just said, my people are destroyed because they don't have the knowledge they need or they don't pursue me. I'm, a, I'm adding that into that comment to know what they need to do. Because if you don't know, then there's going to be recompense because of that. And he says, because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject you. And he goes up verse 1, it says, the second part of verse 1 of chapter 4, because there is no truth, nor mercy, nor knowledge of God in the land. And he was, God was kind of irritated with them. And this word destroyed is an interesting word. I looked it up one time. In the Hebrew it means to be silent. It doesn't mean just destroy something, but it means my people are silent because they don't have the knowledge that your words, you're speaking, will take you to the next level if you'll say it. See, I'm still going somewhere, but I know where I'm going now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go a little deeper in whatever I'm doing, and I'm learning to be, I, hopefully, I'm trying to learn to be more skillful. Yeah. The way I present things is pretty blunt. I know that. I'm not trying to make you be offended. I'm not trying to make fun of anybody. I'm just trying to help everybody to move forward. Yeah. And there's a lot of churches tonight, if I went in and said, I'm going to teach on impartations, the pastor would say, what's that? Right. Well, let me start you on Hosea 4, 6, sir. <laughs> no, but if you don't know it, how could you receive it with any confidence? But in the New Covenant, Romans sells it. And there's, a, there's examples all through the Old Testament. I think it was uh, Moses, his father-in-law. You have to be of similar rank or higher to correct a man of God. You don't take the rebuke from people that just come every other weekend. Unless you're not right. But he had Jethro, I think it was, that told him, if you keep living like this, you're going to kill yourself. You're standing listening to all the complaints all day from the people. He had three million in his church. I'd say there's a complaint group. And he said, you need to divide that out among your leadership and let them handle a lot of that so you don't burn out, wear out, you know, stuff like that. All right. So he says, sometimes it's a lack of knowledge of these things. And we're just talking, I've just been here three services talking about it. I, I feel like I've done what God's told me to do. And I pray, study, and look over my notes. And I add things to it sometimes or take something out. Number two, about what's a hindrance to the uh, impartation, Mark 7, 13. And it's called Traditions of Men. Go with me to Mark, Mark uh, 7. And verse 13, I just want you to see this a minute. It's so powerful. He said in Mark 7, 13, I think this is Jesus speaking, you make the word of God of no effect through your traditions. And I remember I was in a meeting and I think it was Brother Copeland's meeting and John Avanzini was there and he stood up and said, I know something more powerful than the word of God. And I wanted to jump up and say, shut up you heretic. That's where I was at that moment. But I didn't. I listened. And he took me to this verse. You make the Word of God of no effect through your tradition. So the traditions that you have, if they're not scriptural, overwhelm the scriptural truth and you don't get it. <laughs> you know, I mean, people today say, you know, when all the apostles died, I know a personal apostle, several of them <laughs> around the world. 
What do you mean when they die? They never did die. I mean, if they did, we're never going to get mature and we're never going to get to heaven. It takes all five ministry gifts, including my office, the prophet, to get us trained to be mature, to get raptured out of here. Now you're going to have baby Christians because that's just the way it is. But we shouldn't all be babies. So he said traditions here, it'll weigh you down and make the Word of God have no effect. I'm telling you, we had a move of God in my church after I came out here, Dr. Frank. Uh, of course, I say I connected to him in, in 2013. I'm sorry, that's wrong. Uh, 93. And then, you know, he came back in August that next year we had even a greater meeting with him because I taught the people about the ministry of the prophet. And the Lord told me while I was studying that, that's the reason I put you with him. You're a prophet too. And I said, well, yeah, I know that, but I don't know enough about it. Well, let him talk to you about it. And dad just continued to minister to me prophetically by the word of knowledge, by prophesying to me what he was teaching. I took good notes with my pen. I took good notes with my eyes and I learned a lot. Just talking to you here. So problem is sometimes people make the Word of God of no effect through their tradition that maybe says, well, I don't know anything about impartations. How could they be important? There's a lot of things people don't know that's important. All right. Thank you so much. Let's go to Matthew 10 here a minute. I'm, I'm just about through with this page and I got one more page to talk to you about. I'm not trying to bore you or anything. Hopefully I'm talking just some general hindrances to receiving impartation. See, I never heard of that. I never heard of sonship and fatherhood. I mean, I know I did with God and his sons. I knew that. But when dad Dufresne said to me, God's already talked to me about your son. And I wanted to say, yes. What'd he say? He said, you're okay. I said, okay. <laughs> but I was there to learn. Now here's another thought. I, it's not in my notes right now, but I'd like to say it. Sometimes, and Dad, I heard Dad say, I was going to prophesy to that guy at lunch, and then the guy sitting next to him, I had something for him, but they talked the whole time. He said, I went back to my hotel and I cried and said, Lord, I was supposed to minister. He said, yeah, but he never shut up. Now, I, I know that's a bad word to say to some people. Don't be that touchy. Don't, don't even do that with me. You know, they needed to shut up. Zip it. Stop it. Listen to the person who you're looking to for insight and encouragement. And if you talk over top of them, I've been in that situation myself, you know, in the last three or four years, a couple of times. And, you know, sometimes I would correct. Sometimes I just let them go on because they're just so full of themselves anyway. All right. Thank you so much. Dr. Dufresne told about that several times. And he, then he told people, now we're going in the back room, Dr. Summerall's there. Do not tell him how important you are and your big TV ministry and your big building and all the programs you got going on. And one guy opened his mouth and told Dr. Summerall everything he was doing, thinking he's going to impress a man that's 80 years old and he's already done everything twice that you don't even know about. <laughs> And he said, what do you think about that, Dr. Dr. Summerall? That's about the stupidest thing I've ever heard. That was his response. <laughs> you think I'm bold? Wow. Mm -hmm. 
And dad looked at that guy and said, I told you to zip it, stop it. You don't try to impress a man like Dr. Summer, you learn from him. Yeah. I had such respect for him. I mean, I went to his camp meeting one time and my baby girl, she's 42. She was only a year old, I think, between a year or two years. And um, he had this big entourage coming into the building. Jerry Savelle was there, some other people that were well known. And uh, Dr. Summerall held the door for them, but then he saw me coming with my daughter in a carry-on thing, and he saw my wife coming. He said, come on in, folks. I'm glad you're here. I thought, man, this guy's really super. And then in the middle of his sermon, a lady was doing something. He came out and grabbed her on the front row and said, come out of her. And he went back up and kept preaching. I said, that's my kind of guy. Praise God. And then thirdly, he said, if you're a pastor, you shouldn't have other people in your church interpret tongues because they're full of nonsense a lot of times. You're going to confuse your people. So if you're a pastor, stand up. That's what I was back then. That was way, my daughter's 42 now, so 40 years ago. And he said, just lift up your hands. I'm way back in the crowd. I don't know how far, but quite a way. And I said, Father, he said, take it like that. And I said, I receive it. And from that day to this, I can interpret tongues if it's of God. I could interpret. Now, I don't do that in foreign places where I'm not sure that that would be welcomed. And then my wife and I, we started doing what Dad and Pastor Nancy did for a long time. She would speak in tongues and I would interpret. I remember she, I got that look from her. <laughs> Pastor Keith was with us. It was over the holidays a couple years back. And she started speaking in tongues and I was going to interpret and I did. And I said, God tells me, I don't know if I should say that. God says you're going to get checks for $100,000, $150,000 from other people who are going to start taking care of you because you're not afraid of uh, the Tennessee Titans and country singers. And he called me. I was out here. I was out there staying at the place where I'm staying now. But it was a three-hour difference, so he calls me four in the morning. You know? I said, son, it's only four in the morning in California. <laughs> I said, what happened? He said, you said, don't, don't be as shocked when that happens. He said, I was eating a hamburger last night. A guy came in and laid down a check for $150,000, a cashier's check. But he said, I got so blown out, I couldn't finish my hamburger. <laughs> Hallelujah. And then my wife did this to me one time. This was prior to that moment, way back a few years. He was in my church. What an asset Pastor Keith was. And his whole family. His wife, she won more people to the Lord than my whole church has ever done. In 40 years. She was something else. She still is. Anyway, my wife went over to him and she got up to where she's sitting. I'm in the pulpit. And she gave me this look. And it's a look that says, I need you. Come on. She don't have to go. <laughs> she had this follower. And she went over to Dr. Rogan here and started speaking in tongues. And I said, well, it's time for you to go. Somebody needs you more than I do. My wife really ministered to him and edified him. Though, and said, we'll always love you and we'll always need you. But I said, it's time for you to leave the nest. And I said, did I say that? Oh, my gosh. I felt bad that I said that. Yeah, right. Because this is a true covenant man to me. Yes. He's been with me for 38 years. Yeah. We've never had an argument. Yeah. Never fussed at each other. Yeah. Never any hatred or anything even close. Nothing, nothing like that at all. 
you know, I appreciate that. Yes. He loved me so much he had me married all of his kids. He's got four of them and one's in heaven. But he had four that lived on. And they're all married. And he said, I want you to marry them all. So I did that. But he's been a, a loyal person, him and his wife both. And their kids. Because yes. we love them too. We're in covenant with them. Amen. Hallelujah. You don't mind me getting too mushy now, do you? Because I know you felt like, when's he going to get off my toes? Well, I don't know yet. Hang on. <laughs> I'm not on your toes. If you're that touchy, you really need to repent. All right. So we found out lack of knowledge will hinder impartation traditions of men. If you have a tradition, I don't believe in all that laying hands on, on laying on a hand stuff. It's not stuff. Faith is not stuff. You know, people said that to me one time and said, you better quit talking that way. You almost cussed. The Bible says your faith is holy and you just called it stuff. Like it's not worth anything. I don't know what you're thinking, but you're not right. You need to think about what you're saying to me. Yeah. Okay. Now in Matthew 10, let's read this little bit here and then I'll be ready to go to the last page. And it's not going to last forever. <laughs> okay. Matthew 10, verse 40 through 42. And Dr. Dufresne, he preached this over and over. And over. I, mean, I can't even tell you how many meetings I was in with him when he said, turn to Matthew 10. I knew where he was going. And it says, he that receives you receives me. Jesus talking to people. He that receives me receives, receives him that sent me, which would have been God. He that receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. He that receiveth a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. And whosoever shall give to drink unto one of these little ones a cup of cold water only in the name of a disciple, verily I say unto you, he shall in no wise lose his reward. So I read that with him and I I read it and I studied it. And one day I'm reading it at home because whatever he was reading and stuff, I would read in the service, not out loud, follow him. And then I would go home and study that. And I read that one time and the Lord, and I expected him, I don't mean in a rude way, but he butted in on me and he said, Michael, have you ever thought that that's the same person perceived by three different people? I said, no, but I will now since you brought that up. And I went back and read it. And what I'm seeing in this, listen to me carefully. If you don't receive pers a person at the highest level, they're anointed by God. You don't get the benefit of that. So we don't call, we, and I'm just doing this for, we don't call Morgan by her first name or Stephen or Nancy. I hate to say that like that. You understand what I mean? Because I respect her greatly. She's a wonderful woman, a great example to all of us and her family too. But see, when you reduce things like that, and I didn't understand that when I first got a revelation of that. And dad would say, you don't call people by their first names or that's all you get. You use Jack or Michael. You don't do that. Then that demotes whatever anointing I could have walked in as a prophet. You reduce me to a righteous man. Then you reduce me to just being an average Joe. Then that's all you get, average Joe anointing. I'm just giving an illustration. I'm not talking about worshiping anybody. I'm talking about how you receive a person into your life that you'll receive your rewards according to your perception of who that person is. You know, the only difference between leukemia and a hangnail is what the medical professions put on it. 
People can get healed of cancer or tumors, and I pray for people who got healed of all that. But sometimes they don't get much because they just think, I'm just Michael. Yeah. Somebody called secretary one time to find me, and he said, is Mike there? And she said, are, who are you talking Mike Michael Jacobs, our pastor? Well, I don't know that. He said, yeah, we don't call him Mike. We call him Dr. Jacobs. You know, once I got my doctorate, I didn't make him do that either. If you don't want to call me that, don't call me that. I'm not that weak that I need my ego stroked. But I'm just talking to you. But you could just receive me on a lesser level, then that's all I can get out to get to you is the lesser level because you demeaned whatever I had as an anointed person in an office. Your pastors become greater. The apostles and prophets become the evangelist, whoever, you know. I hope you're listening. This is, it's a big deal. And we should treat everybody with a level of respect. I mean, sometimes, you know, you don't even like them, but you need to have respect for human beings. I hate to say that that way. I don't know if you could catch on what I'm saying. Whatever you determine that person is to you, that's all they're ever going to be to you. This is what happens in millions of marriages. They get used to each other and they're just familiar with them. And especially in preachers' homes, sometimes their children forget this is not just Joe or Jack or whatever your name. You know, that's what you become to them because they know you. They've seen you at your best and your worst, probably. You know, I miss a human being. I get tired sometimes. I don't know if you knew that or not. I'm not tired right now, but I'm just talking. Hallelujah. So this scripture, because the Lord dealt with me, and I, I talked, called Dr. Dufresne, told him what I got out of that, and he said, man, that's good. He may already known it, but he was just talking here about whatever level you're at, that's where you're rewarded when you receive a person on the highest level that they could be. You know, what does the pastor do? What does it say? Where is that scripture at? You, let me find it here. It's back in Matthew 9, 36. But when he saw the multitudes, Jesus, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. See, if you receive the pastor here, which... I believe I'm right. It's Morgan. I mean, we call her Pastor Nancy, but you know, I know she's got a higher gifting than that. I said that the other day. I, she didn't rebuke me about it. I think I'm right in the prophet's ministry. And you don't have to refer to me as a prophet. That's not the point. But I'm just talking to you. When you, when you treat a person right as your pastor, it gets you from fainting and keep you not scattered, but together. That's what they have in their mantle to do for you. And they feed you. And they stretch you. And they comfort you. And they encourage you. And they marry you. And they bury grandma in the whole nine yards. That's what they do. All righty. Okay. Hallelujah. I'm going to read most of this. But let's, let's go back here for a minute. I'm going to pray for some people in just a few minutes. Let's go to 1 Samuel. Are you learning anything? 1 Samuel 16, and I want to bring you through a progression of uh, David. 
Let me see here. Did I get the right number? Yeah. Yeah. And I want to show you, I'm going to read most of this. This is an article. You know when Dad wrote articles? I kept them. Because I knew there was more in them than what I could get at first. Listen to me, you can learn something. And I got all kinds of things that he wrote, and Pastor Nancy too. She gave me a big old book on, I don't know what we'd call it, um, titles like Authority and Dominion. I shared it with the students this morning from that page. I said, Pastor Nancy gave me that. And there's a big list of things in that book, the three ring binder. You know, you got, you put it together, I think. And am I thinking right? And it's got different, different, terms in it, like prosperity, healing. It's got one-liners that people have said that made a lot of sense. When you read them, you could get a whole revelation. You get a whole series out of one comment sometimes. But this was Dr. Dufresne, and I, I had it copied. And I'm going to show you, David started out, and when he was first anointed, he was just among his family. It wasn't like a big hoop-de-doo and like it wasn't like, you know, becoming the prophet that he became or the king he became. Yeah. yeah, he was just a little shepherd boy out watching some animals and playing his guitar and singing to the Lord or whatever he had back out in the woods. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? And then we're going to look at the other, t- we're going to look at this and we're going, to, we're going to progressively watch the anointing, enlighten him and enlarge him. Every time you get anointed, a real anointing from God, it will take you to a different level. It'll increase your acreage, if I can say that. And whatever's in that acreage, that's, that's yours to learn to function with it and use it for the glory of God. Now, I know people get healed and they have miracles happen, but I'm not personally the miracle worker. He's living on the inside of me. Okay, I'm just like a FedEx guy. He just uses me to bring whatever he needs to bring. So, Dr. Dufresne wrote, I'm going to read it to you. We're looking at a couple more scripts. We're going to look at this one in just a minute in 1 Samuel 16. And I'll be with you in a minute. Without a supply that comes from a man of God, and when I say that, I mean a man or woman of God, you're, you're hooked up to, you won't make it. You won't finish your race unless you're hooked up to a divine supply in your life. You know, Dad never said anything that I wanted to leave him over. And I'd say that, you know, and I would say it fairly to myself. If you follow him around 24-7, you probably find something you don't like. You may already feel that way tonight. I don't know. Because you're as quiet as a mouse sometimes. But if you're looking to find something on somebody, you're going to find it. I don't care how big they are in Jesus or whatever. You just are picking it apart. But I didn't have that attitude about him. (laughs) I loved him for who he was. He was Dr. Ed Dufresne to me. And I never tried. Let me say this. I never tried to be his buddy. I didn't high five him. I didn't act sloppy. I didn't act goofy. I didn't act stupid. And I wasn't offended when all the other sons got up and took the offerings or did whatever they did. I wasn't trying to get to do anything. I was just following my man of God. I would show up at meetings all over the country and I would, he didn't even know I was coming. Hey, hey, Dr. Jacobs. And he'd send an usher back typically and say, bring this guy up here by me or sit behind me or whatever. And I was thrilled that he did it, but I wasn't expecting that. 
And if I didn't get invited back in the back room, I didn't, you know, pout about it at the restaurant I went to. I mean, I've been with him. Sometimes the waiters were wearing tuxes. Yeah. And then I've been to the one where a pastor just threw a big old pizza on the table and some paper plates. They have at it, guys. That's a big stretch, isn't it? I was just thrilled to be with him. Whether it was pizza on a paper plate or whether we were in some airport. I'm telling you, this I'd never been in a room like that. It was something else. All right. So let me move on here. It states in Romans 1.11, this was his writing. I'm reading it. First, I long to see you that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end that you may be established. Paul is letting us know that divine impartations take place into our spirits, our lives, and our ministries, and all that pertains to us. When we have someone we're hooked up to, someone who speaks into our lives. For congregation members, the pastor is to be that supply. For ministers, other seasoned ministers should be that supply. Paul let us know that in Romans 1.11 that these impartations would establish us. These impartations will establish us on our calls, our authority, and our, in our ministries. Think about that. You get established in things. You're not brand new to it, but you're starting to get established when you've got somebody around you that knows you and knows the Holy Ghost. Pastor Nancy, she's picked up so much for me, and I appreciate all those times that she's ministered to me. And I appreciate her heart for me. I appreciate her respect for me, and I respect her greatly, too. And the whole family. I'm just talking to you here. And these impartations, I'm going to read this again, it's so powerful. It will establish us in our calls, in our authority, and in our ministries. For a stronger anointing to come on us, we must be prepared to receive it. I mentioned that one of the other services, and I got that from him. God is unable to bring us into things we're not prepared for. These divine supplies that come through other men of God help us, help to prepare us. Brother Haken often stated, preparation time is never lost time. I mean, the Bible school students this week, you're here in Bible school. And, but I see you maybe 10 years down the road, you're functioning in fivefold ministries. Many of you, maybe not all of you, but you're functioning beyond the normal person that never goes to a Bible school. Right. <laughs> and who knows, you could be the next Amy Semple McPherson. You could be the next Maria Woodworth Edder. You could be the next Oral Roberts. You could be the next Kenneth E. Hagin. Now, really, you're not those people, but you become that prominent if God wills it, and you keep your life straight going through there, and you don't get uppity, and don't think you're all that and two bags of chips. No. We're just humble people trying to do what we do. All right, I'm just trying to help us here. Uh, Brother Hagen often stated, preparation times never lost time. Preparation is a valid and vital part in everyone's life if they are to fulfill their calling. Some Bible school students asked Charles Spurgeon, a well-known English pastor of the 1800s, as he neared the last years of his life, if God gave you another 25 years to live, how would you spend them? I'd spend the first 20 years preparing for the last five years, was his reply. 
You, you need to think like that. <laughs> I, I know right now, I mean, I'm just so thrilled to be doing what I'm doing, but I know there's a lot more out there just beyond my comfort zone. This was a pastor who impacted his country with the gospel. He understood the necessity of proper preparation. Vital to every believer's preparation is the role other men of God play in their lives. You know, when you meet somebody and they're not under anybody and they just seem, they're just extremely lonely. I met somebody at the meeting in January at the hotel. He's such a precious man of God. And he put his hand out and shook my hand and said, you're Dr. Jing. I said, yeah, and you are. And he told me, I think his name is, the uh, uh, last name is Marshall, maybe Billy Marshall. And he's from New York City. He's in Hell's Kitchen area, he said. And he said, I'd like you to come preach for me, Dr. Jacob. So I called him a few little bit ago. He called me and I called him back. And we had a nice conversation. And he's telling me my spiritual father died a year and a half ago. And I could hear it in his voice, his lament. Because I know how that felt when dad went home, you know, and I was left without him. And uh, anyway. These men will help you to know your authority and how to walk in it. They should teach you how to become skillful with the word and in the anointing. Everything God builds is built by the power of his word and his anointing. Without proper training, you'll be unable to tap into the fullness of the word and of the anointing. Dr. Lester Summerall spent two years visiting Smith Wigglesworth. He listened to him read the Bible. He got to hear him pray out loud in front of uh, Smith Wigglesworth, in front of Lester Summerall. And he got to hear him open up the word to him. Dr. Summerall, as a young man, I think he was in his 20s, saw the anointing upon Smith Wigglesworth and the impact his life was making on the world. Smith Wigglesworth had something worth having and Lester Sumrall wanted it. Now that's not a bad thing that you want some, that not that you're trying to take it away from, but you're hungry for being a person like that where you are that powerful, you can change things. And he said, and this is, this is Dr. Dufresne writing this about him. One man had it and wanted to give it and another man was looking to receive it. Then Dr. Dufresne went on to say, there aren't many who really have it and there aren't many who really want it. You know, I went with Dad to England. We went and visited Smith Wigglesworth's grave. They're all buried in the same plot there because that's an island, you know, England. And they just bury one on top of another. And his wife was in there, and I think one or two of his sons or a couple of children, and then he was there. Anyway, it was just really, we went to where he lived in this little apartment thing. Like, I mean, it looked like, I mean, it was just so small, and he touched the world. He didn't, he didn't have a newsletter thing. You know, he didn't have partners that I'm aware of and all of that. It was just remarkable. We stood across the street and looked at that little, I don't know what you call it, a house, but it was real narrow. It was probably as wide as that sound booth is and three stories tall. That's it. But he just knew how to move with God. They brought some girl to him one time. I had a serious, serious problem. I don't remember. He'd been eating. He had his jammers on. He went upstairs, put his shirt on, came back, said, I'm ready to minister to her. Why did you do that? Because I ham- I'm handling the things of God, and I want to be dignified about it. Yeah. You know, people don't think like that anymore, hardly. All right. It says, um, 
Dr. Refrain said, I'm hungry for God. I mean, that is the, that's the key to him. I think he was hungry for God. <laughs> I'm hungry for all that he has for me and I'll do whatever it takes to live in the fullness of what he has. God has deposited many things in me during the last four decades of men, and me too, I'm saying, but this was his writing about him, but he has more to impart to me. What about you? Do you have all that God has for you? There are men of God that God will position in your life to train and teach you or to help prepare you. Will you allow yourself to be prepared? Will you allow yourself proper training? If the answer is yes, then be faithful to those divine supplies in your life. Receiving from them all that God has for you and don't allow yourself to be unhooked. Know your divine supplies. Know who your divine supplies are and protect that divine supply. You know, that's the way I felt about Dr. Dufresne. If they called me and said that, you know, he shot his grandmother, I would have been on a plane out here visiting him in jail and say, I'm here to help if I can. Now, I'm just making up that story. He's not like, but that's what covenant thinks like. It doesn't think, okay, I'm free now. What? You shouldn't have hooked up if you're that lame. You shouldn't have done it. Honor, cherish, and value men of God that he brings into your life and allow yourself to be established in what you were born for. And women too, I'm saying. Remember, you can't do it alone. No one ever has. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. All right. Praise the Lord. Hey, you know, I, I want to do, do something before it gets too far in the service here. Just turn with me to Colossians a minute. And look at chapter one. I just, I just want to read this and I'm coming towards Pastor Nancy because I want to minister to her a minute. I've been praying for her Amen. last few days. And, and if I'm wrong, you can tell them I'm wrong Sunday or you can get up now and tell me, <laughs> tell me be quiet. But this is what I felt that, that she has such a load on her plate. Now she didn't tell me that. And I think all of you do pray for her, but I'm going to give you an assignment if I could do it, you know, in behalf of her. Because she didn't complain about anything. I don't know that she ever complains. I've never heard her. But in Colossians 1, this is what I like about it. Chapters 1, verse 9, 10, and 11 says, For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you. Since she's the head of this ministry, I think she ought to be for, in the forefront of your prayer time. And of course, there's room for Pastor Stephen and Pastor Morgan and Grant and the family and all that, you know. But I'm just saying here, and we desire that she might be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Not that she's not, but that she will continue to be. And that she might work worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God and strengthened with all might. This is the part I really want to do. According to his glorious power. Yes. I think there's a new level of strength on you, Pastor Nancy, Amen. that needs to come on you. Amen. I don't know if that bears witness to you or not. I'm going to lay hands on you in just a minute. But I wanted to ask all of you to make a note of that in your life that you're going to pray every day for Pastor Nancy maybe just 15 minutes, but you're going to read these scriptures and especially verse 11 and say, Father, I'm praying today that you'll strengthen Pastor Nancy with all might according to your glorious power. 
You know, she's does a lot. I mean, I do a lot and I run, but I'm not doing TV ministry and all that kind of stuff. And she's just got a lot on her plate. She didn't complain to me about anything. That's not it. I've just been praying in the hotel for you for two days. I was concerned for you. You know, it's a lot to deal with. You know what I'm saying? I don't know how to say it like I'd like to say it, but I'm just trying to say it. But we need to be for her and with her in our prayer time. That she be strengthened supernaturally with God's power, His glorious might. It's going to take care of her, bolster her up. And it wasn't like what I saw in San Diego that time, but I just felt like I'd encourage you because I know you love her and I love her as a sister in the Lord and one that I greatly respect. But I would spend more time praying for her than I have in the past. I've been praying the last two days off and on for you in my hotel room. But I thought, I wonder if I should say something or not. And God said, say something. Yeah. Amen. Amen. No, I'm not trying to one-up anybody. I'm not trying to be impressive. I'm just saying what I sense. So, so what we're going to do is just sit right there, Pastor Nancy. I'm going to come lay hands on you. Father, we pray, lift your hands towards her. Father, we pray for your intensive power, the glorious power of your might to come upon Pastor Nancy right now. Energize her. Father, infuse her body with your heavenly power that comes to bolster her up and strengthen her with the might that she needs to fulfill what she does. And supernaturally, she will achieve it. And we believe it. And we rebuke anything that would try to stand against it in the name of Jesus that she is walking in the perfect will of God and you're giving her strength day by day to function in that and to increase in power in the name of Jesus. And we thank you for it and we believe it in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Amen. Amen. Now, I'd like somebody to move the pulpit for me if you could take it somewhere up or over to the side a minute. It's my last night. I'm just... I'm going to deal with a couple things real quick, and uh, and then I'm going to pray for the preachers that I said I would. And Pastor, I hope that was okay. You know, we need to bolster people when they need extra prayer. In fact, uh, Pastor Nancy said something to me at the Owings Church a couple years ago, but I needed I needed some prayer people to help me get into this next realm. <laughs> I've been here for like four years or three or four years now. It hadn't happened yet, but I believe there's people picking me up in spirit. I know the Ramoses do because they told me that. That's what they told me, you know, and I I know they're people of honor and stuff. And they said, we're going to just pick you up like we did Dad Hagen. Of course, they love Pastor Nancy. They pray for her. That's the first thing they do, I'm sure. But said, we're going to just pray for you like we did Dad, Dad Dufresne. Did I say Dad Hagen? I meant to say Dr. Dufresne. Because we need it. See, I have a part to play, but other people have a part to play too. So I'd like you to stand up with me. And I wondered, let me see here what I wanted to say about some things here. Let me uh, stop a minute and gather my thoughts here. Uh, If you're here tonight and you're a lady and you have female problems, I'd like to pray for you. So if you'll come quickly, I'll lay hands on you and God will straighten that out. I'm talking about women that have problems, you know, with things. Hallelujah. Okay. Praise the Lord. 
what are you going to do if nobody comes? I'm going to go to the next thing. <laughs> That's what I do. Okay, good. She's coming, she said. Father, we thank you for your anointing on her body to make everything work right, make it function right, and no more problems in the name of Jesus in that area. In Jesus' name. You got it. You got it. Hallelujah. Anybody else before I move forward, I'm ready to move forward unless there's somebody else that you need help in it. There's somebody else today, you have like a, what you get is a migraine headache, but I'm going to explain it this way. It's like there's a band that starts getting around your head and it's like got a screw on the side and the devil turns it and makes that thing get extra tight on you and you have migraine headaches. That's what I'm talking about. If you'll come, I'll pray for you and God will break that off your, off your head. I mean, if you have that, please come right now. Because God showed me that more in a vision with a band and a tightening thing on the side. So, praise the Lord. Come on up here. Hallelujah. That's you. In the name of Jesus, I rebuke that tightness in your head and migraine headaches. Come out. Stop existing in her head. In the name of Jesus, I set you free, ma'am. Hallelujah. I take authority over that tightness in the migraine. Come out and stop functioning in her head, against her head, in the name of Jesus. We thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. Come against those migraines. Come out of him. I break your power over his head and over that deal that you have trying to do that to him, and I command you to leave him and go from him now, and I pray for peace and strength to come on his head and no more migraines in the name of Jesus. Praise God. All right. Thank you, Father. I come against those migraine headaches and I command that man to be loosed, command the migraines to stop, command you to have peace and no more tightness on your head like that and no more migraines in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. We thank you for it, Father. We thank you for it. Now, I want you to come. If you're in fivefold ministry, you know if you are or not. I want to pray for all the preachers. If that's okay, I'd like to pray for the preachers right now. Let's come on. And if you're in fivefold ministry, come on. I'll be glad to minister to you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yep, thank you. Brother Grant, oh my goodness, receive that. You're coming up into a new level. Coming up into a new level. God's going to use you greater than you've recognized yet. But it's coming. The revelation of it's coming to you. He's going to use you mightily. Pastor, receive that. New anointing on you. New fresh anointing on you to move out, move forward, move up, and get everything done that you need to do for uh, Brentwood and Madison. Pastor Stephen, be ministered to with a fresh anointing on you. And we thank you for it, Father. Freshness coming on him. Freshness on Morgan to speak and to minister by the Holy Ghost in the name of Jesus. We thank you for it. New anointing on you, sir. I'm going to come on you, especially in the area of the gifts of the Spirit. New anointing on you. New anointing on you. Hallelujah. New anointing on you, Pastor. And you're stepping up into a new level now. New anointing on you, Pastor Ruby. New anointing on you. Oh, my goodness. Receive that. New anointing on you, sir, in the name of Jesus. We thank you for it. New anointing on you by the power of God. And new anointing on you, sir, by the Holy Ghost.
We thank you for it. Thank you for responding. New fresh and oh my goodness. Hallelujah. God's going to open up some of the gifts of spirit for you. You're going to begin to step out and step into a freshness. In the name of Jesus, receive a fresh anointing on your life and ministry. In the name of Jesus, receive a new, new dimension of life from him. In the name of Jesus, power of God rests on you. All right. Hey, thank you for coming. I appreciate you coming tonight, everybody. <laughs> I love you, and thanks, thank you, Pastor Morgan, for asking me to come. And your agreement, Pastor Nancy, thank you so much. I've had a great time. Now, the Bible school students, I'll see you in the morning. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you for joining us today. To view Dr. Jacobs' travel itinerary, order products, and more, please visit cotrin.org slash mjm.